right. Welcome back to another episode of Heart to Heart. Dr. Columbus Batiste here with you again. It's such a pleasure. Thank you for spending a few moments out of your day with me as we work on your heart, help you become the better person that you deserve to be. And so this month, we're in March. And you all know what March is, right? March is what? It's National Nutrition Month. All right, and so, and so I know the normal MO is we're going to have a chef on, we're going to have a dietitian, we're going to hit you like that, but we're going to do a little something special today. We're going to do something a little bit different. So for those of you who don't know, National Nutritional Health uh, Month is really, it's in this whole educational campaign that was started some time ago, focusing really on the significance of, of fitness as well as primarily eating healthfully, Right. And so we know here at Heart to Heart, we know that we, you can take charge of your health by what you do. And in terms of like your health and your wellness, your nutrition, how you deal with stress and your rest and what we eat can play a significant role in all of that stuff. But today is a special day. Why? Well, because I have the pleasure of welcoming Dr. Travis Masterson with us. And so some of you may not have heard of him before. So let me give you a little bit of intro about Dr. Masterson. So Dr. Travis Masterson is currently the Broadhurst uh, uh, Career Development Professor for the Study of Health Promotion and Disease Prevention at the Pennsylvania State University and the Department of Nutritional Sciences. Now, this is a place where he directs the Health Ingestive Behavior and Technology Laboratory. That's a mouthful. His work focuses on how technology impacts eating behaviors. Come on now. This is something we all have to deal with, that eating behavior and health outcomes. And conversely, how technology can be used to better measure and understand these outcomes. Now, currently, his, his lab has been monitoring and evaluating the, the effects of influencer food marketing on live streaming entertainment platforms such as Twitch TV and the effects that this type of marketing can have on food purchasing as eating behaviors. Man, that's powerful. So we're going to do something different this particular uh, uh, conversation. And we're going to dive into some of the stuff that really determines. That's why it's called what? The commercial uh, determinants of health. Dr. Masterson, how are you? Welcome. Good. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Oh man, it's good. It's good to meet you. So I have to give you guys just a little backdrop. So I sit on this committee. And so one of the co-committee members, they, they mentioned, they said, oh, you know, there's a powerful person who's on here, who's doing a lot of work as it relates to a lot of works, uh, a lot of work on a commercial impact in our society and what's influencing how we're eating and so forth. And so she dropped his name and I immediately messaged her offline. I said, you got to connect me with him. You have to connect me with him. And so she was like, oh, sure, no problem. Connected me. And then he was so kind and gracious to hit me back. I was trolling him, guys. I was trolling him <laughs> immediately, trying to see if I can get him on. And he jumped on. And so we're here two days later. Or is it? Two, yeah, two days later, we're on right now to have a conversation. So thank you. Welcome. So much. thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. All right. All right. So we know a different subject for a different day, but we all are just coming off. I'm taping this live a week before it's about to air. So sorry about that. We're not live in, in person, but we just suffered with daylight savings time, right? And just that, that mental fog that happens. And so we're going to dedicate a show to daylight savings time and the, 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 what happens to our sleep and what happens to our health. But how are you doing there, Dr. Masterson, with the uh, recovery from this this, <laughs> this uh, lack of sleep? Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> you so hanging in there? There was a little bit of drag with the kids, yeah, but but we're making it through. So <laughs> Okay, all right. So I'm not going to throw a wrench in there and ask, start asking about, tell us about the impact of our choices and our how receptive we are when we're sleep deprived. <laughs> do you want to go down that pathway or no? We, we should... We should yeah, we should uh, skip that tone a little bit oh, more. Well, all but. right, <laughs> all right, we're gonna we're gonna wait to hit that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you guys back with that. But tell us about what you do. Give us some some backdrop about. Tell us about your lab, about how you got yeah. here. Give us a little insight into you. Yeah, so um, a lot of my work. So I did my master's degree is actually in in exercise science. Um, okay. and while I was doing that though, we were doing a lot of um, research around food cue responsivity. A, a little bit about how exercise can impact that. And so, uh, 
you know, we wait, were doing... You got to break it down. What's food, yeah. food, <laughs> what's, what's food cues? So food cues, like anything in your environment that might trigger a response to seek out and consume food, right? So the, the typical one that we look at, at least in my research, are visual cues. So that could be... It could be anything in the environment, like food sitting on your table, right? Um, but we look at, at food images um, as like kind of like a proxy for that. So in, in these studies, what we were doing is having um, uh, kids in this, in this instance either exercise or um, sit down and do some puzzles and games. Um, and then we were throwing them into a, an MRI machine and taking a, a look at their brain. Um, while they looked at these different food images, right? And so we were kind of seeing like, how does exercise influence that responsivity? Um, and so, uh, so yeah, that's where I kind of started, which took me from the exercise world into the nutrition world as, you know, like I got more into food cues and that's where it's being studied more as in the nutrition side, right? Um, and so I switched over to uh, do my PhD at Penn State and, uh, for my projects there, we were looking up, we switched from just typical food cues, such as images to looking at marketing. Um, now, can I ask, can I ask you and interrupt you? And so this is going to be, yeah. I, I, I'm going to apologize, but we're going to have a yeah. conversation like we're hanging out. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so you were looking at exercise, the, the impact of exercise on food choices. What did you find in that? So we saw that there were several regions of the brain that were altered following um, exercise um, in response to uh, particularly high energy dense food images. So mm -hmm. uh, energy density is like how how many calories are present per gram of food, right? And so okay. uh, so like a high energy dense item is is high calorie essentially, right? Um, and so, yeah. So what we were seeing is that um, it was impacting like reward regions of the brain. Um, and we actually did a sister, so Penn State actually did a sister study at the same time that we were doing that neuroimaging study. Um, and so we, we eventually want to come back to this and put them together, the, the brain imaging uh, alongside the, the intake, right? But we were looking at the intake and, and what we found on the intake side of things or what Penn State really found on the, the intake side of things was that, um, so we showed in the brain that that you have these higher responses to high energy dense foods. And then in the behavioral data, they were showing that um, kids that perceive the exercise as being more difficult or, or harder for them um, would consume more following. And mm. so those two pieces of data actually kind of go hand in hand because what we were seeing is uh, perhaps like, you know, like not everybody has this really high response in these reward regions. There's some amount of individual variability there, right? And so I don't know if anecdotally you hear this from people that are like, oh, if I exercise, I'm super hungry afterwards. Right. And other people, they're like, oh, if I exercise, then I tightly control my intake. Like it helps me to control um, what I eat and stuff like that. Right. And so that's kind of what we were seeing is this perception and, and, and it is likely related to the brain response as well. Right. Of like, yeah, yeah. there there might be people that respond different ways to exercise and it might influence their intake in different ways. Um, and yeah. And so that can really get us to kind of like individualized treatment in a way or, or individualized feedback on uh, if you're working with a health coach or a dietitian, for example, and, and then engaging in exercise. Right. So. Yeah, no, that, that, that's cool. Yeah. Cause I mean, obviously I've seen a lot of research that really points towards you know, hey, if I exercise, it's a keystone habit. It's going to help control some yeah. of these these hedonic type of behaviors that are there right. and suppress it. But what I'm hearing is that that in some individuals, if I perceive it as being overly strenuous, that it might actually drive me towards some of these behaviors as opposed to protecting me. Yeah, right. And so then some people would say, well, then like, do you just stop exercising? And that's not the point, no, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, like we know we need to exercise. That's so important for heart health as one of the major outcomes, right? Function, different things like that, right? Um, so that's not our, our only concern, but it does help people kind of contextualize what's going on inside, like, the, and with their, their um, mental perception of things, right? And so you know, if you can catch individuals that are saying that, then you can work with them and coach them and, and help them to understand, you know, what they're going through and, and come up with strategies to help them. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah. And so, so, yeah, I mean, I, like just working in, in uh, with, with uh, 
patients and, and participants in, in weight loss programs, right? Like I've seen that where somebody will start going to the gym, they actually gain weight and they're like, what's yeah. going on? Like I, I I'm working out. <laughs> and yeah. so like, you know, it helps with those conversations. Definitely. Um, yeah, so, I wonder. Yeah. I mean, that, this isn't an exercise session, although your background yeah. is an exercise. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm I'm curious though. I'm curious if what if a person were to say, okay, you know what? I'm not going to go all out on the Peloton, where I'm right. like gasping, ready to throw. Maybe I'm going to do a light, moderate type of exercise or yoga that's yeah. going to build me up. Would they still have that? I'm curious if they would still have those same cue food cue yeah. response with the reward system, or if it would be diminished right. somewhat and they're able to control that. Yeah. And that's where we, that's where I said, like, we'd love to come back to all of this at, at yeah. some point. We've kind of gone off on this marketing tangent. Um, but yeah, there's so many interesting questions to be asked about intensity, duration. Um, mm -hmm. Even if you're looking at it from a weight loss standpoint, um, like losing the weight faster or slower, how is that going to impact your, your responsivity to food, those types of things. Right. And so, yeah, there's, you know, I think a lot of people, looking in at research um, or, or potential students wanting to come into research, they start to see that a lot of things have been done, um, but there's there's just so much more to learn and, and know. And, you know, quite frankly, nutrition has been an underfunded science yes. for a long time. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. so we, we still have a lot to learn and understand about behavior, individual differences and responses to different cues and, and exercise and, and all that sort of stuff. So there's, there's a lot to be done. Both exercise science and nutrition are relatively young um, sciences um, in a way, right? So yeah, no, that's cool. Okay, so I interrupted you as you were transitioning yeah, no. over <laughs> how you went down, you went down now this new, new rabbit yeah. hole, right? Yeah. And so how'd you get down this new rabbit hole looking at technology and, and the right. advertisements? Yeah, so when I uh, transferred over to Penn State, uh, the lab that I transferred into is uh, Dr. Kathleen Keller, who's still here at Penn State as well. And um, she had been working on some projects around marketing. And so my uh, passion for food cues led into marketing. Marketing is a really important food cue, in my opinion, um, sometimes overlooked because it's very powerful, right? Um the images that you see in advertisements are not realistic to to what is actually given to you in the in the real world. It's a, sometimes we call it like food porn. It, it's a little <laughs> like it's over the top, right? It's yeah, presented yeah. in a way that's unrealistic. Um, and uh, so there's even like I I don't know if you've seen these like Instagram and 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 Twitter feeds or whatever where they compare like the commercial to the, to the, to the real product. Right. And yeah, um, it, it's like, it's just a really good example of like a cue in your environment. That's, that's really designed and set up to really drive your behavior in a way, uh, have you anticipate the, the receipt of something very, um, you know, rewarding. Right. And so, um, so yeah, so we, we were looking at these food cues, we ran a couple of different studies, one looking at just brands, like the, the association that people have with brands. Um, and then another one where we look, we actually um, had kids watch commercials and then we saw how it impacted or, or altered how they perceived foods afterwards. Um, and so, so yeah, so, so we, we kind of been doing that. Um, the, then uh, I, I was uh, fortunate to, to be able to, take my postdoctoral training over to Dartmouth College, where I worked on like a big R01 project funded by the NIH looking at sim very similar, like how food cues impact, uh, food marketing impacts children's brain response and, and their, their food intake. Um, and it, while I was there, um, my advisor uh, there, uh, Diane Gilbert Diamond, um, she uh, was, she was very kind, gave me some leeway to, to pursue some, some passion projects of mine. So um, I'm a gamer at heart. <laughs> I love board games, video games, all, all that kind of okay. stuff. So what's your favorite um, board game? Board game? Oh, that's a that's a tricky what, one. What could you kick my butt at? Which game could you kick my butt at? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not I, I, I'm big into I don't know. Do you do you play a lot of board games? Ah. You know, I did like Monopoly, I'm, Uno. I'm 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 competitive. <laughs> Uno, listen, Uno is like second nature to me. All right. That one that one I'm 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 going for blood on, on Uno. Yeah. No, so um, but so with the gaming community, uh, you know, Twitch is a big deal. There's a lot of 
like esports that go on, competitive video gaming, um, and then the kind of just casual gaming where you where you get to like watch essentially these celebrities, um, like internet celebrities, influencers, right, um, play their games. Uh, they're usually really good at it. It's like hanging out with your buddies, right? Like you you, you yeah. sit down on the couch, play some video games, chat about life, kind of a thing, right? So that's kind of where Twitch is born from is that world um but there's a lot of marketing that goes on there so i was seeing some of that happening and i you know i said like this demographic particularly in twitch is um you know young men and that's in the marketing world has traditionally been like a hard target to hit in terms of marketing um and and so i said you know to myself i was sitting there going like well how much of this is really happening um on these platforms and then uh, and then what, you know, what are they doing? What are they saying? How are they presenting themselves? <laughs> and so, yeah. um, you know, Dr. Gilbert Zaman, uh, you know, gave me a little bit of, of extra money that we had and 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 sent me on my way to, to figure it out. Um, and it kind of blossomed into a, a, a big um, line of research. Um, and it's uh, a really interesting. So these live streaming platforms, it, it's, it's beyond Twitch now, right? So, um, Microsoft famously launched a live streaming platform that failed rather quickly in the face of Twitch. Twitch is owned by Amazon. It's like one of their their biggest performing mm-hmm. platforms. Um, but YouTube and Facebook have now copied that model of live streaming. So alongside, you know, like pre-recorded videos that a lot of us are used to, there's all this live streaming content going out. Um, and so the example that I, I it's, it's one of the best examples I, I have of like why I believe that live streaming is the, the the place to kind of look at food marketing. Um, the it, there's just these incredible behavioral loops that they set up. So on top of like the typical marketing that you would find, right? So there's going to be your banner ads, video ads. There might be product placement in the the influencers environment, right? Um, th- they'll obviously be talking about it, similar to like a celebrity endorsement or or something like that, right? Um, but the crazy thing to me is um, there is a McDonald's campaign, for example, that they ran with one of the biggest Twitch influencers um, uh, at the time. And uh, what they had him do is he he uh, he had a challenge. Right. So what he did is he ordered his McDonald's um, food from from Uber Eats or something like that. Right. So he so he orders it. And while he's ordering, he's talking about his favorite food. Right. Oh, here's the menu. Oh, I really like mm. this. I like that. I'm going to order this, you know? So he's going wow. through the process of like ordering this food. So he orders it. And the competition is if he's playing Fortnite, right? So if he gets enough kills in Fortnite before his food gets there, then everybody gets a coupon. Um, so he obviously wow. completes his challenge, right? Everyone gets the coupon, his food shows up. And then what he does is instead of ending the stream and, he, and eating his dinner, right? What he does is he pulls up another streamers um, stream right and starts watching them so they're playing Fortnite. so he's watching them and eating Fortnite while he's eating right and and wow. so what they're showing you is that's what the kind of behavior that they want to instill in the viewer right of like okay you order your food and you play your game when your food shows up you pull up a twitch stream you watch it while you eat your food and you're exposed to our advertising the entire time right so wow. it's it's really wild when you kind of like think about it that way right and so uh, and, and this is, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, I think the future of entertainment, you know, not everything is going to go this way, but it's going to be um, increasingly popular. Like we've seen it explode out of video games into a lot of things like there's fitness, music, um, all these other categories that you can now live stream and get access to. And, and you know, it's it's really a, a a new form of entertainment so 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 wait a minute so okay so first let's let's dig into this a bit yeah so (laughs) the demographics are males predominantly inside this group and they are between the ages of i assume teenage through like 30s for the most part yeah that's what our research uh has kind of shown yeah okay and so and so these marketers are are hitting them from a standpoint of, of these food marketers are hitting them from product placement to actual visual cue in terms of visual banners and then to actual now they've transitioned into actually saying hey watch us order it and collaborating and then yeah. <laughs> so and like then watch us, and then watch us eat it too yeah yeah wow wow 
that's that's insane. That's insane. Yes. So I mean, that's taking it to a whole nother level, right? Right. I yeah. mean, that's. I mean, we were used to seeing TV commercials that come on for a brief minute. You may run out and you see it, and you're like, all of a sudden, you're drawn towards whatever the product is that's there. But we aren't watching someone watching TV. I guess we are on the TV shows. They've done yeah. it on TV shows for years of having yeah. placement there, and we were talking about that before. Yeah. Uh, off, off, offline in terms of some of the products that are placed in TV shows that get you plant seeds to make you think, huh, I don't know why I'm craving such and such and such. Right. <laughs> and now you go out and you try and find it. Yeah, exactly. And that, yeah. And so that's kind of the thing that we see happening. So what we did is we, so we went in and we said, okay, what, how much is happening? So we did a few studies looking at how much kind of marketing is happening across these platforms. And we described some of these uh, um, different strategies and techniques that are being used, right? Um, and then what we did is we went and we surveyed um, a bunch of Twitch users and we, we asked them like, okay, do you see, like we know what brand, like we know internally what brands are being shown. How often do you see these brands? Um, and then we asked them like, when, when you're seeing this marketing, do you crave those foods? Do you ever purchase those foods? Um, those types of questions, right? And so, um, yeah, and, and basically, yeah, th that's that's what it is, right? <laughs> so mm. they, when they see those brands, they report craving them. They report even purchasing them um, and purchasing them at a higher rate than, than you might typically can consider successful in, in marketing literature, right? And so... Uh, then we also asked them about like, well, what are your perceptions of this marketing? And so um, we specifically asked people that use Twitch and then and then to, and then normal YouTube, right? And we said, how do you feel about this type of advertising? Because that's like a really important thing, right? And um, what we found was that the marketing on Twitch was perceived to be more acceptable. So it, it didn't annoy them as much. It didn't bother them as much. Um, they felt like, uh, and, and this is, I think, probably the most important thing is they felt like the marketing was supporting the influencer. And that's like a really critical um, factor, at least in my opinion, because one of the things that happens on these platforms um, is the development of like para parasocial relationships is what we call them. And what that is, it is essentially like a one-way relationship. And and sometimes people think this is really weird. They're like, how can you um, like get a relationship with these streamers or whatever? And it's like, well, do you have like a favorite artist or, or movie star or even like a favorite um, like sports team, right? Mm -hmm. And you have this weird connection with them, right? Like yeah. you hear about this, like, somebody's sports team loses and, and they're depressed for days or something yep. like that. Our team, right? <laughs> You know, they have this very strong emotional connection to what happened. And it's like, it's not even you, right? It's not even that was me with the Cowboys this past year. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. And and so, you know, it's that same type of relationship, um, but even stronger in a, in a lot of ways, because on these platforms, there actually is reciprocal communication where you can like reach out. There's a chat room that's constantly going. And so you actually can talk to them. They'll respond mm. back to you um and so so yeah there's this like tight relationship and so um you know that in it, our research would suggest that that gives twitch a leg up where people are like yeah the advertising doesn't bother us we feel that it supports our influencers or our content creators right mm -hmm. whereas like when we asked them the same thing about youtube they said that they felt like the marketing was there to benefit youtube not the not the influencers right and so they kind of see it as like well that's you know, taking care of big brother, this type of marketing is helping, you know, our guy, um, you mm. know, our friends, like that kind of stuff. Right. And so, um, and, and, and taking role modeling it, to a whole nother level, right. Because right, now they're, yeah. they're seeing someone that they look up to, they can interact with that perhaps has a little better skill in gaming than what they do. And now they're seeing, and they want, and we always want to model people. We model, right. we, we were a conglomerate of different people we've experienced throughout our lives, you know, oftentimes. Right. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so then then, um, you know, the thing comes up of like what? Well, you could just tell people it's an ad, right? Because and, and now like the FTC requires that any of these types of ads, they, they have to carry a hashtag with them that says like hashtag ad or hashtag sponsor oh. or something like that. Right. 
but the interesting thing is uh, there, there was some research done in teens, um, not on live streaming platforms, but on social media um, where they, they tested that out and they said like, okay, well, does disclosing that it's an ad, does that, you know, dampen the effect of the advertisement? And they actually found the opposite. It actually improved the effectiveness of the, the <laughs> ad <laughs> wow. and people go, well, how is that possible? And again, I think it goes to that influencer relationship where people say like, oh, they're not sponsoring YouTube. It's not just some Google ad that pops up that's random, right? This is a targeted campaign to, you know, to help my my influencer, my friend again, right? And so even disclosing that it's an ad doesn't, you know, negate the effect. And, and some research would suggest that it that it amplifies the effect to some extent, right? So you know that's crazy because that reminds me of of, and it's been a while, so I apologize. I should have this in my in my memory banks, but I don't precisely. But I remember a study that was looking at fast food consumption, and that food marketers who have healthy items, it wasn't that the healthy items were purchased more, mm -hmm. is they seemed to somehow increase the purchasing of the other items that were yep. there, and it wasn't yeah. it wasn't as if they negated things by having those on the menu. Right. And so that was some work out of the UK. I think Jason Halford's group was doing that. And yeah, it was, so really crazy stuff because, um, yeah, these companies were like, oh, we're going to do the right thing and market mm -hmm. our healthier food. So then you saw all these McDonald's commercials for yes. salads and, and apples and milk and like that kind of stuff. Right. But what happens is when you go into the restaurant, you probably have a preconceived item that you're going in for, right? Like even if you're, oh yeah, McDonald's salad, I love Big Mac, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So like you're you're still probably going for a very specific item when you get there. And even if you're not, the marketing within that environment, once you're in there, is all for you know like these un the uh, unhealthy stuff. items, and all of your default options are going to be for the unhealthy items as well, right? And so yeah, so it's just like they get the benefit of promoting their healthier items and saying, look, we're, we're doing the right thing. Yeah. And then it doesn't really affect their bottom line at the end of the day because people are still buying what they're going to buy. So. Correct. 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 So it, 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 all it is, it's, it's, a, it's further marketing because it yeah. provides a level of validation of, listen, we care about your, your yeah. health and well being, but yet there's an understanding that, the placement of the marketing, the placement of, of, of things is point, still directing you, is shoveling you inside of a particular direction that's there towards foods that may be a little bit less there or less healthful for you. That's yeah, exactly. that's now. Now, here, so here's the question. So did you find and this may be less so with Twitch, that there were different items that were marketed according to the demographics of I mean, we know different graphics generally in terms of males, whatever else, but yeah. maybe in the region, maybe regionally or anything else like that or not that uh, weren't able to get that specific. Yeah. So, I mean, in ours, we, yeah, we haven't gotten into that detail. I mean, one obvious thing is like on Twitch. Um, energy drinks are are highly promoted and that's to that specific demographic in particular right because it's very like energy drinks are considered like a performance enhancing supplement within video gaming right because of all the mm -hmm. caffeine it makes mm -hmm. sense right um but there are actually certain brands of energy drinks that are targeted towards gamers specific like they were designed for that market right so g fuel is you you might see that in your in your you know convenience stores and stuff like that um but that you know that really was born out of like the gaming community um and and like respawn those types of things so we see really like incredible incredibly high levels of marketing from from those and so that is like a targeted thing you also see like i mean targeted brands that are associated with gaming as well so that that you might not think of like right off the bat like you would anticipate McDonald's being like the biggest fast food marketer on Twitch, right? But it's actually KFC and Taco Bell because those, for whatever reason, are brands that have been previously associated and worked with gamers. Mm. Um, and so, uh, you know, like those brands definitely amp up in the space where, where they are, right? From marketing in general, though, there it, it is well known that marketers will tend to target regionally um advertisements right that's that's not unheard of and then we know like just thinking about like your google ads or facebook ads those types of things also very targeted towards you like if you can go run a facebook ad for for your podcast or, mm -hmm. or whatever it might be right and you can target like if you go on facebook you say like okay yeah. i want 
uh, males in this region about this age. And, and then you push your ad out, right? So like, that is definitely possible. From like a broad level, we do know that like marketing dollars tend to be shoveled towards minority groups, though, right? So um, African American and um, Latino Latinx populations tend to be um, targeted with more dollar, just raw dollars um, than other populations. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's 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 something else. And so, uh, ask one question before I go back to a thirty thousand foot level perspective on yeah. commercialization, you know, commercial determinants of health, and general more overview for the audience that's going to tune in. But when you look at this sort of a thing with with this, I mean, it seems as if they're building upon layers of uh, I'll call it essentially sedentary behavior, and now they're they're building on that layer on their a nutrition that's that we know from the standard American diet style that's detrimental or deadly American diet that's really kind of building on the and we know we have this this growing obesity epidemic that's that's persistent that's there. What are there any type? What's happening to try to rein in some of this, or is there anything? Yeah, <laughs> or it is or there, is it or is. Or so, is it just more individual of saying, "Hey, let's let's leave it up to the teens where they're they're quite aren't quite yet formed. They're not twenty five, and they haven't quite formed yeah. their all their prefrontal cortex." Right. Uh, this this is this is a very loaded question. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. So, and I I think there's actually quite a few layers, and people want it to just be really easy, right? And it's either like, yeah, all marketing is the sole cause of everything, or it's yeah. like, um, choice. Or personal choice, right? Yeah, like, well, people just need to make better choices. The The hard thing is there's some, it's it's gray, right? Like, there's some amount of both of those things involved, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's like, um, uh, this is not, this is not like the best example, but it is an example, I think, is with like alcoholism, for example, right? Like, if you're drawn towards alcohol, um, a big thing is to change the environment, right? And that's not going to fix all the problems, but, and, and there's still going to be choice in there, but it shows us that the, that environment, people, messages that are around us influence us to some extent, right? Um, and so you can't just place yourself in environments that are going to be difficult um, to navigate over a long period of time, right? If Does that yeah. kind of make sense? And so it's like being in those environments, you'll still have personal choice. You'll still be able to make choices and avoid things and, and that kind of stuff. But I think there is an erosion over time, right? Or uh, or things become more acceptable. Things become more normalized as time goes on, right? And so it becomes harder and harder and in a way over time, right? So the idea is that like, by changing the environment, you're not removing people's personal choice, right? So like, if, if we removed all the advertising, you could still go eat a ton of sugar. You could still go home and bake cakes every night to, you know, like if, if that's the choice that you wanted to make, right? But by altering the environment, you make it easier to make better choices, right? Correct. Um, and so it, it, it is like a mix of both of those things. There's some really good, I, you know, I don't have this prepared or anything, but there's some really good graphs showing that basically like, Weight's normally distributed. It's still normally distributed, but what it's done is it's shifted over time. But the whole bell curve has shifted, right? And so what that's saying is like there's still some amount of personal choice and, and underlying genetics or those types of things that are like influencing the, the choices we're making, but the environment has shifted that for everybody. And so if we're able to change the environment and alter it, it shifts us back and the whole population will benefit, not just a few individuals, right? And then, you know, we still have to make our choices and th there can still be room for individualized treatment or, you know, those types of things, but it, but it makes it easier overall. Um, and so it's really taking this community kind of public health standpoint of like, what do we want our community to be like? What do we want our community? Um, like what, what value, what, what do we value in our community? Do we value the ability to advertise as much in whatever we want or do we value health um, or, you know, protecting our kids from this type of messaging, those types of things, right? And I and I think, no, those are wonderful points. And I think what, just to add to that and build on that a little bit, I think that one of the things that is there is I think awareness 
which is right. part of what I'm doing in this in this show is bringing awareness that there actually is intent. So companies don't spend billions of dollars to pour into product placement into advertisement yeah. unless there is a return on investment that's anticipated. Correct. So we have to look at that rationally, that there is research that says that by doing this, I'm likely going to get a return on investment, which means what? It's going to be selling my product to have increased my users. In a very similar fashion, there's, re there's, there's, there's evidence, there's research that suggests that there's um, crafting food engineers and chemists Right. To ensure that the food has that that pal that that it's palatable, that it, right. it has you coming yeah. back for more and more. Whether or not you want to call that addiction, whether or not you yeah. want to call that <laughs> cravings, whatever your terminology you want to use, the adjective you want to use for it. But so you, now we mix in the aspect in which there is going to be a neurochemical trigger process that drives you to have more, along with the seeds that are planted in your subconscious yeah. of like drawing you there. And then now we marry that in an environment, whereas historic, you know, maybe in some, some situations you didn't have ready access to it. So you might crave something, yeah. but you're mm -hmm. like, I can't find it anywhere. Yeah. Exactly. But now, now in today's day and age, right. You can order it and it may get there the next day by, by a, a company delivery company yeah. or by, or you uh, Uber eats it and it's there yes. in, in an hour. So yeah. No, and so that process that you're talking about is called incentive sensitization. And so this is a model that we work on in, in marketing. So we have a, mar a, a, a very general marketing model that we use in, in food behavior called RefCam um, that's specific to marketing of foods and, and how that process works. So incentive, incentive sensitization, <laughs> so it's a novel, right? <laughs> is what it is is so... The idea is that you'll see uh, an ad that has a food cue embedded in it, right? So you see your Big Mac, right? So that's going to see lead you to seek out that type of food maybe at some point, right? Maybe not in that moment. Maybe it's not like you see it and you're like, oh, I have to go get this today, right? But mm -hmm. like, you know, it's going to make you aware of that product and 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 eventually consume it. And we, and we know that works like you said that, you know, everybody's eating at McDonald's. <laughs> There's a reason we've all eaten mm -hmm. there before, right? And so what happens, though, is that then you have a positive experience with that food because of like this hyper palatability or, or whatever that's going on. Right. It, it's very rewarding. Right. It tastes good. There's all these other things going on. Right. Sometimes it's an emotional experiment experience or it's a it's a, a bonding moment between you and a buddy or your family or something like that. Like you're out. Right. So you have this really like nice moment with this food that tastes really good. Well, what that's going to do is you're going to tie that back into that that cue that you saw, right? So the next time you see the golden arches or or whatever Wendy's or whatever it might, I, I'm picking on McDonald's today, <laughs> but but whenever see, you see, he's picking on McDonald's. I'm not me. I'm not picking on. I'm not picking on McDonald's. McDonald's. Yeah. So at least not not in front of the camera. Maybe behind. Not, yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. So you know. The next time you see that cue, it's going to elicit a, a, a memory of that experience, mm -hmm. that that those responses that you had that rewarding. And so it makes that cue more salient for you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. So so that cue becomes more salient. And then you continue that loop of like, well, OK, I like that food. Now I'm going to start getting it once a week because it's easy. It's convenient. I like it. It's You know, I, I have all these good memories tied to it. Right. And it, that loop keeps going over and over. And so you can see where it, it habituates you into consumption of something. And then it's a constant reminder to continue to consume it in some way. Right. And so um, I think that's like kind of going back to your point where yeah. a, a lot of times when we talk about marketing and, and, and a lot of the research we do, we, we, put, we target towards children because they're a, like a vulnerable population. Right. They, um, and we make that argument, but I, I, I always I, I laugh sometimes because it's like, well, yeah, I mean, that's true, but also it works for adults. But adults kind of want to play this game of, like, no, not me. Like, I'm not influenced. Like, I make my choices, like that kind of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not that you're not making your choices, but the, the, the advertising works. Right. That's why they yeah. spend the money on it. That's why it's always out there. Um, and and just that argument alone should make you at least pause and think about it like, oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and the one thing I'll talk about when I speak, especially when I speak inside of those those communities that are targeted a bit more, is that 
you know, it's, what's interesting is I, I just went out to with my son and my wife to eat and have brunch. And I was driving in a very gorgeous part of town, beachfront and everything of that sort that's there. And literally, I'm driving within walking distance of high-end grocery store after high-end grocery store after wonderful places to make wonderful choices that are there. But I've also driven through areas of that are disparate where there is nothing but but these food places that we have been talking about this whole entire episode, that that's all that's riddled inside of a neighborhood, not one healthful right. option that's there. So so then I so I, the concept I have and oftentimes I say is, but do they really have a choice if that's yeah. all that's around you and it's it's cost efficient and I my income is poor and I'm getting these advertisement cues and now I'm getting it on my gaming and now I'm getting it on my a social media and now the seeds are implanted that it's hey it's good for me and i see my favorite heroes are also ingesting it i think well why not i want to be like them and make a bunch of money and make it out of here they're eating yeah. it why don't i yeah and so it, it can become a horribly vicious loop for as i say for i'm no i'm not a teacher and instructor except to med students it's a little bit different <laughs> but i think my a job of an instructor is for the individual who's the c and the d students the D and the F students, not the A and the B. The A and the B are yeah. going to do well. They're going to yeah. do well, right? It's those those D and the F students who need to be brought up as best as possible where the resources have to be driven in order to help them um, achieve and live uh, useful lives and, and purposeful lives. Yeah, that's right. And that's kind of like one of the issues that also comes up is because a lot of people look at it from their viewpoint of like, yeah well, I live in this city and this is my experience or whatever. And they haven't considered what you're talking about. Right. Cause we do know that that exists. Like we, there's like food deserts and, and mm -hmm. those types of that type of terminology gets thrown around of like, yeah, there's just, there are not grocery stores or accessible grocery stores. And it's not just as easy as saying like, we'll move or well get a car or, you know, like those types of yeah. things. It's, it's just not, um, and it's not just inner city. It's also really rural, right? Ooh. Like yep. they, you know, we know that a lot of people in rural communities are shopping at the, risk. the dollar store and, and, and that type of stuff because there's no grocery stores nearby. And so, but yeah, it's, it's like that it, it takes time for people to like process like that it might be different for other people. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at is yeah. there's those different levels. Right. And so, um, yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. And, and, you know, the data kind of show that just broadly with weight, for example, that, like weight status is tied to socioeconomic status it's tied to um like education status like those like those kinds of things because the resources that are available yes. you know with 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 that and so but again it's not a solution just to say like we'll make more money or just this <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like, it would be nice but no it's not yeah right like so yeah and that's why um you know it i think it is difficult so yeah. So so take this back to a 30,000 foot level outside the weeds a bit here. Are, is this what we're talking about? Are we talking about this idea of commercial determinants of health? Is this really what our conversation is? What does that terminology mean to people out there? We hear so many different things of social determinants of health, political yeah. determinants of health, moral <laughs> determinants of health. What is commercial determinants of health? Yeah, I mean, I think it it can be conceptualized in different ways, right? Um but I think I think what we're what we're talking about is that right, like what whatever issue it is, there there are outside forces essentially that that drive decisions and and things that are made, right? So, yeah. um, you, you could look at it. Social determinants are the people around you, right? Commercial determinants are how are corporations influencing the environment. Um, you can look at like things like built environment, right? So like. That, that's somewhat unlike the political determinants of health, right? Like how is a city set up? Is, are there walking paths, bike paths, like that type of stuff, right? And so, yeah, so it's really saying like, how does how does business um, play a role in shaping our behaviors and our environment? What's available to us readily? Like those types of things, right? Um, yeah, and, and, and I think it's, uh, it, it, it's becoming more prominent, um, like, there's been several, even just recently papers that have pointed out that like, we really don't have a good understanding of how this type of marketing is working, how to regulate it, how to look mm. at it, how to talk about it. 
um, even though it's like priority for like WHO, those types of organizations, right? There's so, so we have some big gaps and, and, but we're seeing, unfortunately, not in the US as much, but like in, in other countries like the UK, for example, there's been a bigger push to, to examine it and try and try and do, do it. It's, a, it's been a little bit back and forth of like, okay, we're going to do it and, and maybe not. And then, and then maybe we'll do it. But you know, I think that's a that's a conversation that we need to have in the United States a little bit is, broadly is just like, yeah, what are like what what do we want our our public health environment to be? What what do we want to be available? Do we want corporations calling all the shots of the things that we're exposed to? Is that like our priority? Um, and those are, I think, very, very difficult conversations to have. Right. There's a lot. That's why this is a, somewhat of a loaded topic just in general. It is. It's almost like Twilight. It's almost like a Twilight Zone moment. It's like, okay, we want freedom, but is it freedom to have the influence laid out by by capital capitalism or for by big businesses, or is it or is it a freedom to have government impose restrictions and sanctions, or what exactly is the idea and and concept? One. One argument within kids that's very compelling is what do they have the right to be exposed to, right? So is it, I, I was, I was thinking this is, this is a very extreme example, but I, I think it gets people to think a little bit at least is like, would you be okay if like a, a clown came and knocked on your door and said, hey, I have a, a message to share about this. Great. <laughs> Are you going to let that clown into your house to talk to your kids about the cool toys they can get if they come down to, you know? you know and so no no, right like it's like that's a little bit weird but in a way that's kind of what we do when we turn on our tv or or we have Mm -hmm. these ads open to us we're we're letting these people kind of in and letting them share their message and and and, you know they do it in a fun way so we don't really kind of think about it but when you step back oh that's uh that's a little bit strange and so you know especially like when we're looking at that age i think that's one of the things that we're talking about is like should adults really be targeting kids with with marketing messages? That seems a little, you know, <laughs> yeah, sketchy if you really step back and think about it and, and what they're trying to do there. So, And I think even more importantly, businesses. Should businesses where their ultimate gain and goal is for sales be doing do take this under or uh, take this on? And I'd say no. And I think there was a great study. Once again, this is me not quoting the details of it, but great study done at Journal of American College of Cardiology. I believe it was outside of America, but they they looked at the impact of repeated education of nutrition on school age kids and showing the benefit of having it recurrent and repeated at this right. level of planting seeds of health, really, inside of our kids, our future generation, where it's not left to people who are industries that may have a slightly ulterior motive and and not saying that they they dislike or hate our kids but that no, their yeah, goal yeah. is their goal is to right. is to make money at the end yeah. of the day right and, right and so yeah a couple of things there from from my standpoint is sometimes when we talk about this people think that we're anti like that i personally i guess that i'm anti-business or where i'm yeah, very like i want to be the nanny state and regulate everything <laughs> or whatever right and that's that's that black and white thinking a little bit, I think, of like, let's polarize mm-hmm. it to take it to the extremes. And and so my viewpoint is that like these companies, you know, they're they're trying to make money, right? Like they're mm-hmm. trying to provide jobs. I get that. They're trying to, you know, keep the shareholders happy. I get that's that. Right. Like, you know, that's that's what they're set up to do. And and so in some ways, you know, like they're doing exactly what we would anticipate that they do. And so you can't really blame them for that but that's kind of where regulation comes in right and we're kind of saying like hey like we don't like that <laughs> yeah so we know you want to make money but we're not gonna you know allow this kind of a thing and and so it's not shutting the business down completely or or saying like oh you're evil because you make candy like who doesn't enjoy candy every now and again right like who doesn't it life's meant to be lived a little bit right but is it meant to be shoved in my face 24 seven all the time. And you know, like that kind of, do you know what I'm saying? And so I there's do. like some balance between all that. The other thing is that food corporations also have this great opportunity where they have product formulation. Like you've mentioned, they, they, they have supply lines set up, you know, like in all, in all honesty, we, it, it would be unlikely that our country could sustain the population that it does without some form of, you know, food corporation, because they, 
you know, we kind of saw that during the pandemic, right? There's a little chink and suddenly yeah. grocery stores don't have food anymore, right? Yeah. And so th- it's a really important thing to think about is we don't want all of that to go away, but what we want to do is encourage it to become healthier overall, right? So, yeah. so again, that's where regulation helps because if, if, if I'm a company and I say, well, my company's going to do the right thing from, from here on out, we're going to take all the artificial flavoring. We're going to, we're going to take all the artificial colors out of our, our breakfast cereal. Right. And I do it. Right. And, and I, you know, trumpet that from, from the rooftops that <laughs> we did the right thing. We're, we're out for your health or whatever, but my competitor doesn't. And they're, and so when people, when kids go to the grocery store or parents go to the grocery store, they still pick the one that, their kids are bugging them for right so it's not a level playing field in a way right because i want to do the right thing but my competitor doesn't they don't they don't care they just want to make more money and they see an opening where they can take advantage of that right and so you know how do you how do you do that that's where regulation can help because it levels the playing field and says like hey we're all going to play by this rule okay right like we're all we're going to cap the sugar at this level, or we're going to remove everybody's ability to market or, um, you know, or limit it or, you know, like whatever, whatever. like whatever you want it sure. to be. Right. But um, yeah, if you don't do that, then you get, you, you're always competing with somebody who's willing to do whatever it takes to, to make the extra buck or whatever. Right. Absolutely. And so, so it's a little tricky. Um, and people, yeah. And people have to understand, have to understand the business of business is business. Right. That's not yeah. it's not health. The business of business is business. It's not your health. And that's a key thing that I, that uh, I discussed with another colleague of mine in another show different yeah. day. But, I, you know, I want to wrap things up as we kind of turn the corner here and not be too specific and personal. But give me a, a broad level overview of how is your work, your passion, your life influence your the way you parent? Because you're a dad. <laughs> you're a dad. Yeah. Right. How old yeah, are your yeah. kids? Uh, I've got a seven-year-old and a two-year-old. So. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> You're a busy man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the question, not to be specific in what you do or don't do or what they eat or don't eat, the question is more generic in terms of how is your work, your research, influence your thinking as a parent now and going forward in the future? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, like, I guess specific to marketing we can stay away from all the food choices. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Marketing. <laughs> from a marketing standpoint, um, it's funny because I'm sure other parents have had this experience where their kid will come up to them and they'll be like, we need to get this insurance because we can save this much money or, you know, like something like totally random, right? And you're like, what? Like, you don't even know what insurance <laughs> is. <right? laughs> and so so we've, we've had moments like that and and it's just, you know, we've talked about it like, what you're hearing on the radio, what you're seeing on TV, it's not real in a way, right? Like all of this has a motive. It's it's all trying to influence you. And and some of it's relatively benign, right? They're just trying to make you aware of a product or whatever. But even that is like, you know, people are trying to put something forefront of, of mind, right? So so that you're thinking about it. Um and so, you know, then there is a phase where my son, my older son, he would like hear an advertisement. Oh yeah. We don't like advertisements. Do we dad? (laughs) Right. So, so it's interesting, um, you know, just from that standpoint, but I think that message kind of generally can can be generalized beyond just food advertising. Right. Of like, you know, you're hearing different, you're going to get different messages in life and it, and you don't have to accept what you're told right away. Right. Like you can think about it. You can consider it. You can understand that people might have different, um, motivations for what they're saying and, and doing and so that you need to be careful with the information that you take in right and and you know I think that's just kind of generally so <laughs> I don't know if that's like I'm no, not saying yeah. I'm like the greatest parent but I think that that's from the research that I do I think that's a good parenting message just in general is you know be aware of what what's around you and what you're being absolutely told and, you know uh, what's, no, I, I what's love normative it. and like that type of stuff, right? Like you should think critically, I guess, as, as, as a human being. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And that's precisely where I was going to end things is I think that we have to learn to ask questions, right? I think all of us have to learn to ask questions and really ask, is this why? 
is this really beneficial to us? Is this something, what's the meaning? What do they want, right? Because there's always right. three things. So great book for those of you who haven't read it. I'm not getting paid by her. This is not a sponsorship at all, but uh, Kelly McGonigal's book, right? The Willpower Instinct. What, what do you want? What are you willing to do to get what you want? And what won't you do to get what you want? Right. So basic questions. And so for many who are listening here, they want health. They want weight loss. They want vitality. They want to, to leave a, a, a heritage of wellness in their family gener generationally going forward. And so if that is what you want, then what are you willing to do to get what you want? And so in that process of what you're willing to do and what you won't do, you have to ask, well, why is this helpful for me? Why is this being, why is this all that's around me? Why is this what's being placed in front of me? And of course, we don't do that in every single moment of every single day when we're confronted with any kind of choice that's there. But I think if we at least add that to our thought process, our thinking as we move forward, I think that's a good start in the right direction, right? Because we, at the end of the day, we're the consumers. And, yeah. and I'll tell you, here's one thing. And I tell people this all the time, 30 years ago, you didn't see the products that are on the market right now. Why is that? One could say it's technology, but other would say, because now there's a market for certain things, right? The market is driven by whom? By the consumers. That means collectively we drive the direction that things need to go. And there's a powerful thing that, that Michael Moss, the author of uh, Salt, Sugar and Fat, that he did um, when he was working, interviewing, and I saw this on one of his clips, and that he, he, I think it was Harvard. And once again, this is me trying to remember all these different nuanced things. And he had them work on a campaign for broccoli. That was so incredible. To, it, and they did this campaign of broccoli versus asparagus. I'm going to have to add it to this video if I can uh, for you all to kind of see it and embed it. But it was so incredible. And they were able to increase right, the sales of broccoli based on average, the power of influence. So we have to use our powers for good and not and less for evil, just like in the four agreements, right? The power of words. Right. So when we look at the, the, the four agreements, be impeccable with your words uh, by by Don Miguel. Right. Luis Miguel. We have to be impeccable with our words. And that means advertisement. They're using the power of words to influence us. And we need to kind of make sure that we choose what we listen to, because that's a form of magic that can either lead us down a good pathway or a bad pathway. So that's the message today. This is a mess. Different different approach for nutrition. Uh, Health Month, man, Dr. Masterson, this was masterful. I appreciate you being on. I know that you have like opened the eyes of many people, gamers. I'm going to have to go in my son's room right now and see if he's gaming and what, yeah. <laughs> what he's listening to if he's there. I'm going to have to check that one out. He's pretty good, but I have to still check it out. But thank you so much. <laughs> any yeah. last words you want to leave the audience? I just left some my own gems. But any, any last words you have as we, we end this show? No, uh, I do. I, I'll just give I, I told you I might give like one shout out. So yeah, please do. Um, Thank you. On, on the side of kind of where we're talking about misinformation. Um, so I do volunteer for a website called redpenreviews.org. Um, we there, what we're looking at is we, we scientifically evaluate uh, diet books, um, popular, popular nutrition books. Right. And the goal of that is to not say you know like if you go see an amazon review or something like that they'll talk about oh it's well written it's engaging it's a fun reader you know like whatever um and obviously the people leaving reviews for for the diet are all five stars this helped me whatever but what we do is we actually look at the science behind what they're saying right and and we go we we go do all the legwork we go go look at the broader literature we check their references we do all of these things um in in an effort to kind of uh, get at what it, misinformation, what are these other voices and, and things out there? Because it's not just the food marketers, but there's people in the fitness industry, the nutrition industry, all of these places that, that cloud, you know, like what we do know and, and what can work. So um, yeah, if you're, if you're interested in kind of these broader dietary messages, that's a good resource at least to, to consider. So wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, man, this has been great. I've appreciated talking with you and to the audience out there. I can't wait to connect with you again next time. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Be sure to check out Dr. Masterson on Twitter. I put his handle up there. Check him out on Red Pim Reviews too as well and some of the work that he's doing. 
and continue to stay tuned as we want to drop science to you. We want to drop things that can hopefully transform your life and your world and have a wonderful, wonderful week. We'll see you next time.